0: Hey y'all, welcome. My name is Caitlin Darty and welcome to my podcast, Hot Takes with Kate. In this podcast, we'll discuss all things life, athletics, relationships, and faith. I cannot wait for you to come along on this journey with me and have great conversations with so many amazing people. Let's get honest and bring on the hot takes. All and welcome back to Hot Takes with Kate. I am so excited to have you back on the podcast today. We have a very special guest, my wonderful mom. Many of her, many of her friends know her as Shelley, but a lot of my friends know her as Mama D. And she's the greatest mom to me, my brother, and sister. My uh, brother and sister are twins at Texas Tech University, and I went to SMU now corporate world, but she's the greatest mom, and I'm so excited to have her on the podcast. She has some very, a lot of hot takes, to to say the least. Uh, So I think this is going to be a really good conversation, and you're going to really enjoy this podcast episode. So everyone, welcome. My mom, Shelly.
1: Thank you, Caitlin. I'm excited to be here, especially the weekend after Mother's Day, so that makes it kind of fun.
0: I know. I I did want to do this podcast in honor of Mother's Day, so uh, I think the timing Uh, lined up really perfectly.
1: Yes, it'll be fun.
0: So you've listened to all my podcasts. I have. And each time I start out with a hot take. So your hot take can be on anything. What is your hot take?
1: In life, manners matter a lot.
0: Mm, I like that. And a lot of people don't know that you taught manners classes. And us growing up, you always said to us oh you know always set the table this way and you know always for Natalie and I always keep our legs together once at the table James you know guys can be more loose but you always taught James to hold the door I think small things like that really made a difference um, in our lives and I think that's a really good hot take but also I think manners can be very biblical too
1: I totally agree with that and I think what one thing that manners do do is they define a man from a woman and okay. I think that's really important and uh, I don't think women should demasculinize a man by playing the role of a man and I don't think a man should feminize himself by taking on the role of a woman and I think that's super important to keep that in mind um, especially if you're living a life according to God and um, honoring his creation. So
0: so going off of that, what kind of manners should a man be more conscientious of? And what kind of manners should a woman be more conscientious of? Because I think that's probably a lot of people, what they would question off that.
1: So I guess to encapsulate it for a man, they just want to be chivalrous. And uh, the role of a man is sometimes personal, I think sometimes that has, a man has to define that for himself as well. Um, and it's not just holding a door or standing on the proper side of the street while walking with a woman or just, in general, with society, just how you treat women. And it ultimately comes down to respect. And you will learn a lot about who someone is about in their behavior. And manners certainly depict that. So, um, for instance, something that I don't think is practiced as often as it was when I was younger, and I think your dad does a good job of doing this, but if we're out and I'm to get up from a table, your dad will stand up until I walk away, and then he'll sit back down again. And when I come back, he'll stand up. And I
0: don't then think sit down. he does that. Does he?
1: He does that when we're out. Mm, yes. Like
0: when you're on date night? When we're
1: on date night or if we're at an event, and yes, in a more formal setting
0: all right i'm gonna ask him if he actually does that (laughs) that he's pretty good with
1: your dad's pretty chivalrous i would say
0: okay i mean i i agree with all those things but i think
1: also a handshake is super important mm. that's like a first impression i think first impression and last impressions are super important
0: speaking of handshakes do you remember when i was being recruited for rowing and one of the coaches i think it was the umass amherst coach he shook my hand at a race, and he said, wow, you have a really good handshake. But it got his attention, and he wanted to learn more about me, and he did. So there we go. Handshakes so, going so, both ways. Well, yes, and a girl.
1: I would agree with that. And so what what a proper handshake looks like is it's a firm handshake, and it's eye-to-eye eye and hand-to-hand, hand and those tactics, you know, are important. It's just like – I'm sure you've been at events and I've was always a stickler about where you place your name tag. And so there's a whole reason behind that. So if you are going to shake someone's hand, it's generally right, your right hand, even if you're left-handed, it's generally your right hand. And so your eye goes towards the person's right hand. So the name tag should always go above, um, to your your right shoulder, and so that there's a whole reason behind that. So that's one of those that's formalities good, that that's
0: a good one. I like that. Well,
1: but it's a kind of a, little things like that mean a lot.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's really good. But I feel like in my generation and in society today, people don't take the time to learn those things or become knowledgeable of them. Like they're not taught as much as probably to your generation or even your parents' generation.
1: And I think it's like anything. The more you practice it, the better you get at it. And so it's something that you incorporate in your day-to-day life. It doesn't require a whole lot of thought because it's just part of who you are.
0: So where can people learn good manners?
1: So when we moved here, James and Allie um, attended Cotillion.
0: Okay, but as As an an inexpensive way to kind of do it, I guess.
1: You know what's interesting um, our generation when we were going to grad school that was part of grad school and then all degrees in graduate school like so you're getting your MBA or yeah. etc so because it's really important in in business etc mm. to be able to communicate effectively and present yourself properly and it comes down to lots of different things you know mm-hmm. How you put yourself together says a lot about who you are as well.
0: I would agree with that. I mean, you obviously, like, if someone is clean and someone's dirty, right, like, you obviously are going to respect the person who's cleaner, <laughs> to say, than the person who's dirty and didn't, you know, offer to, you know, put themselves together be- before coming to see you because I think it's it's effort, right? And you want to show people that you put in effort and putting in time with them—it's like a lot of that happens a lot in dating. On whenever I go on first dates, I always look. I'm like, okay, did they put themselves together? Because they're trying to make an impression on me, and if they aren't, then you know.
1: I think that's important, and I think that goes back to just a lot of different things as well. And you were questioning what women can do, and I think one of the most the largest move, and I think that has impacted women on how their role is is the women's lib and sadly women's lib have removed femininity from women and I think that's actually a horrible um that's a hot take <laughs> it's horrible <laughs> yes I, 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 not that women's lib hasn't done some positive things clearly it has for women but for the most part I think it definitely takes femini- th- femininity out of I women.
0: think it's the the feminist movement right is what has kind of destroyed that because I I, I actually ended up watching a whole video on uh, the feminist movement and I think it was designed by a man if I'm remembering correctly and I don't want to say this and not be correct but you know what an interesting (laughs) historical fact because if feminism wasn't designed by a woman to empower women but a man to destroy the roles of Um, men and women like that's almost psychopathic (laughs) but uh it's just very interesting to look at the history of all that um and i think right there have been a lot of great things we have the right to vote correct um you know gave women the power to have a job if they're able because the world today is so expensive and sometimes you do have to have a double income
1: you do and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that women shouldn't play no, a role in that. No, not at all. And I'm not saying that men shouldn't stay home and raise children. I mean, sometimes that works for a family as well.
0: I disagree. I think I don't think they should.
1: Well, I mean, there's unusual cases where that takes place. And you would be surprised. You have, There are certain people that you follow that you admire because of their Christian values, and they were probably raised in a family that the mom was working. So... I don't think you want to be myopic about how you look at no, that. No,
0: but I don't think the woman should be working and the guy stay at home and raise the children.
1: But sometimes that happens. It just happens. But yeah. I... That's I mean,
0: another debate another <laughs>
1: time. I'm, just, I'm just saying sometimes I'm that saying happens. i not it
0: doesn't happen, but I do think like you are empowering a man to be a man if he's the provider.
1: I don't disagree with that. I I agree with that. I mean, I was a stay-at-home mom.
0: Because because if a a man is staying at home taking care of his children, how are you empowering him to be the leader of the household?
1: I mean, it's definitely role reversal, and sometimes those things do occur, but I would not disagree with what you're saying. I mean, listen, I was a stay-at-home mom. It was a conversation your dad and I had, and that's what we chose, and I think that's probably the way it should be. I think
0: it is – biblical to do that yes so i'm not saying that's that's wrong either i mean that's my argument behind it but anyways um moving on (laughs) um what is your second hot take because i feel like we just got to keep going with the hot takes these are good
1: What is my second hot take um formulate your own opinion and ideas don't base it on the bias of another person or for your generation mostly social media I think plays a huge impact on people's Mm -hmm. thoughts and opinions and I think it infiltrates the brain to have a pattern that would not necessarily be super healthy I think there's better ways to gain information
0: I would totally agree with that I think social media I mean even you said it you have social media now I do have it and it like you get on it and you just start scrolling and you just. sometimes I think don't it's know how to horrific. Stop.
1: I do actually and think like, it's horrific. There's so many things that I come across, you know, um, in terms of relationship, you know, and everything is like a quick bite, a sound bite on what something should be or what an opinion is, and I think that is so detrimental to people because it puts an unrealistic, unrealistic expectation on that person, it causes actually a lot more stress and anxiety. Depression is the highest level it's ever been in society. And I think that's due to social media.
0: Oh, hundred no. percent. I think even just screens in general, we talk about this reading is so good for the mind it is. <laughs> and I'm horrible at making time for it because I'm working in front of a screen all day. And then I'm like, Oh, well I want to relax and maybe watch a movie or scroll on my social media that I haven't scrolled on all day or Whatever it may be, and I think we're just – it's always screen, 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 screen instead of, hey, how can I help exercise my mind? That's right. Uh, which is why I think being in school is so valuable. Now that I'm out of school, I have to try extra hard to exercise my brain. I'm not, you know, read, I don't have to read books for school. I don't have to do homework. I don't have to do all these things that were helping keeping my mind really sharp
1: i would agree with that but back to your one point when you were saying in terms of like too much screen time it does play havoc on being conscientious or doing something consciously versus subconsciously because there was a time in your life um that made me think of this where you were your first job was a a data analyst and you were on the computer constantly analyzing whatever you were doing and then you were getting your master's and writing programs and you were on the computer all the time and um and then to your point if you wanted to scroll through social media etc but there was one time i can't even remember specifically what it was i sent you something and i to fill out something i don't know it was something for insurance or whatever and you you sent it back to me and i'm like caitlin like do you realize oh and, and you said no i didn't do it and I had to show it to you, and you're like, "Oh, wow!" And so you were doing things, and you weren't even conscientious of it because you had so much screen time. Oh, and then then I think you were like starting whatever your, the dating apps or whatever. Like you were in all these things that were require you to be on the screen all the time. And <laughs> oh was, my
0: gosh, you just exposed me. <laughs> I did. I'm not on them anymore. No, right? but
1: that was like that was like back that in 2021, crazy. or it was yes. right after COVID. Before you, you were still living at home at that point. So, um, anyway it was it, to your point and i am an avid reader as you know and i do think reading books clearly exercises the brain and different than like i think reading the bible is really important and you know that's a great time to have to to be in scripture and and to read but that's a totally different type of reading than sitting down and actually either reading a novel or an interesting book
0: well we'd love to watch a movie right which is mostly a fictional 3 hour window and instead we could be reading a fictional novel which we we've always talked about too that expands your mind on how to think about things right because you have the ability to think for yourself and you're not you're in silence you don't have anyone speaking to you you have no sounds you can kind of think about what's really happening and you have you get to formulate this whole picture in your head which is going to be different from anyone else's and i think that's just so unique and so beautiful and so cool because uh, God gave us our own unique vision and our own unique mind and we get to formulate how we think about those things when reading fictional novels um, in a way and maybe even tie into what we're reading in the Bible per se.
1: Which is true. It's funny. I've been reading um, Emerson's uh, essays recently and you know I like classic literature and um, he was speaking about God being omnipresent and Mm omnipotent. and it was fascinating that how time does not change the human condition. And I loved that because he referred to something like, you know, God is everywhere. He's in the moss. And Mm. I mean, every creation, everything that he's created, he's in that. And so I love reading classic literature and I love how they formulate words and ideas. And a lot of it is based on the Bible and so if you take the time to read classical literature, you can certainly tie that into scripture and the human condition, which has never changed, well, right?
0: And I think, right, a lot of fictional novels today um, can be very presumptuous um, yeah, they're a little promiscuous. <laughs> yes. uh, so uh, we also have to be careful of that, right? Of what we are feeding our mind and what we're trying... Envision- Agreed. Or what we're, you know... And in- putting in our mind to envision... And make up <laughs> based off what's being written. Uh, so I do think there, you yeah, do have to be careful of that, which it, you're right. That's why classic literature is such a great thing because it wasn't just about sex culture. Exactly. It was more about life and how they were thinking through situations and difficult situations and it wasn't all, it was realistic. It wasn't all rainbows and butterflies.
1: Well, and it's also practical. So like there's, yes. I loved Tolstoy and one of my favorite short stories from him is the three questions and it ultimately ends in, you know, the quiz, who's the most important person? What's the most important time? And, um, I can't remember but, what the other one is, but the point of point of it is, is the most important time is now the most important person is you. Cause I'm with you right now mm-hmm. and people don't know how to be in the moment and mm-hmm. to engage in the present. And I think there's so many things that because of that people I think social media actually generates the thought of what ifs. And I hear that a lot um, with James and Natalie and, you know, their conversations. I'm like, you guys focus on too many what ifs. Because you have no clue how you're going to respond to something. You may think you have an idea, but where you are in your faith, you know, am I... Mm -hmm. Where's my faith? Am I? Do I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, or is Jesus Lord of my life? I mean, those two are very different things, right? And so, there's lots of people who go through life and know that Jesus is the Lord, their Lord and Savior, but He's not Lord of their life. So, specifically in church, the Sunday that was about um, Jesus is the vine, and we are the branch. And so, if you think about that, what that really means is um, that we're connected. And so if we are connected with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all nutrition will flow through a branch for it to grow and produce fruit. And so if we are not connected to God, we're not going to produce good fruit. And so he's going to be constantly pruning us until we're able to produce good fruit. And so that's the difference between having Jesus Lord of your life God, Lord of your life versus knowing that Jesus, you know, that Jesus is Lord and savior, two different things. And so you have to be able to differentiate that in your life. And that makes a huge difference in how you live. And so for instance, if you talk about, you know, you wanting to watch something moral or read something moral, it's easy to do that because your belief system and your values come very naturally from God and you don't have to think too too much about it. It just, it's who you are.
0: Yeah. I, I always say salvation is a behavior change because your heart is so convicted and transformed. Not to say, like, I fail every single day and I sin still every single day. Like, my thoughts go elsewhere. Uh, I probably don't treat people the way I should all the time. Like, it happens. Like, I'm, I am th- I think we do have to acknowledge, okay, we are only human and God knows that we are going to sin. And we're not going to live a perfect life. But I do think that he's always trying to convict us and change us toward a straight path. And the word straight path is repeated so many times in the Bible. I don't think people understand that. And it actually came to me uh, during COVID. Um, And I was really getting into the word. uh, And I felt like there was this uh, almost like a void in my life with him and uh the word straight path kept sticking out and i'm like i need to get on a straight path with him for my life to be on a straight path and it was really a convicting moment and i think that's when god truly started to convict my heart and i started to bear fruit In galatians 5:22 through 23 it states the fruits of the spirit mm-hmm. and Thank i really you. do think that uh, god will convict you of those when he um is full and uh,
1: dwells within you. I totally agree with you. And that is a great scripture verse to read. I actually read that often. Um, and Natalie and I were memorizing I so it. trying to memorize it. <laughs> so, I mean, it just, you know, it's like, it's just getting it all straight because you know what it is. And it's like, you know, love, peace, patience, forbearance, self-control. That's a hard <laughs> one. Um, but, you know, whatever it is, you, you just have to be mindful of allowing the Holy Spirit to work through you. And, it, and to your point, making a path, um, I'll go back to something that you used to do when you were younger. So um, oh boy. Well, it's, it's educational, and you know I'm an education um, person. So when you were doing Kumon, I know you would, you'd you gone to the... Oh, my gosh.
0: Kumon was literally... <laughs> can we just talk about how it was the worst thing ever? But it was go awesome. On, go on. It was so good. Anyway, <laughs> for, me, for me, it was... It was,
1: it was awesome. Anyway, but to make a to my point of that is you had gone to the director and you said, can I just sit down and do all my work at once? And she was this small Asian woman, Dr. Juan, and she said, Caitlin, if you're going into the forest and you are trying to make a path through all this tall grass, if you went through it once, you won't make a path. But if you go through it every day, a little bit at a time, you will make a path to walk wow. through. And so that's kind of like your faith. So if you are constantly working at it and you're making a path, then you're clearing a way for the Holy Spirit to work through you, right? So yes, that makes great sense if that's something that's repeated continuously in the scriptures.
0: Mm, That's really good. I love that. Yeah. So good. Okay. So I know you have a lot to say on parenting and just faith in general. So what's your third hot take?
1: Parents should guide their children's faith, not dictate it.
0: Oh, that is, that's a very, very hot take. <laughs> and I love it. Elaborate.
1: Well, I was always very conscientious in raising you all, not to turn you off to faith, not to turn you off to God. That mm-hmm. um, I ultimately knew it, it was never going to be my decision. It would have to be your decision to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So, um in some ways, I guess I could have been, I raised you a little confusing in the sense that you were raised in the Catholic Church, which was a promise that I had made to your dad. And um, in doing so, I still had you in a lot of other faith-based activities
0: we, well i remember us going to was it a baptist church yeah
1: vacation bible school in the yeah, summer we went to
0: vacation bible bible school in the summer <laughs> and we honestly we had such a good time it was fun it was <laughs> they fun. would play like the more upbeat music and then we would go to catholic church and it'd be like you know it was like it's painful
1: like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's painful
0: and so uh no i do remember doing that stuff in you would open your Bible and read scripture
1: and we would do devotionals at night. I mean, we always had really good conversations. Um, but that was going to be your own decision, what you wanted that to be. And I, I thought it was so interesting when you had said to me, the church that you joined and you were getting involved in serving. And you said, mom, it's just so interesting. They ask where my parents are. And I tell them that, you know, dad's Catholic, blah, blah, and that you are supportive of me joining this other church. And it's I said, a non-denominational, church. non-denominational church. And, It doesn't matter. And there's a lot of misnomers about Catholics. I mean, just because someone's Catholic doesn't mean that they're not in Scripture. It doesn't mean that they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It is, a lot of times, it has to do with tradition. And um, people just don't want to move away from that tradition. But it doesn't mean that they're lacking.
0: Well, and I think someone could call themselves, oh, I go to a non-denominational church, and I go to church, and I quote-unquote read my Bible. But... At the end of the day, like, you can't be like, oh, they're saved, they're good. And someone comes in and they're Catholic, but, man, the Holy Spirit is dwelling within them and it is exuding out of them in every single part of their life. Like, and you're going to say, oh, I don't know if they're saved or not. That's, I think that's honestly, just- that's condemnation, honestly. And I think that's wrong. And we should not be doing that. We shouldn't say who is saved and who's not. But at the end of the day, like how do you, do you believe that you are saved? And if you know scripture, uh, Romans 10, nine through 10, I think. Oh my gosh. I've memorized these scripture verses, but anyways, it basically says, if you believeth believe it, uh, in your heart, that Jesus is Lord and confess it through your mouth that he died for your sins, then uh, you will be saved. And so, uh, I probably just butchered that verse and I should look it up. Everyone should go read it. But, um, I do believe that when you believe in your heart, God is dwelling in your heart as well. And he is forever changing your life from that moment on. Uh, And uh, when you confess with your mouth, like, man, you should be shouting his name from the mountaintops. Yeah. Like he, he is going to be your Lord and savior. He is amazing. He is your father. And he is the one that uh, loves you every single day. We can't even depend on any human being, even parents. That's to right. to fully love us like Jesus does every single day
1: that's right there's an earthly father and a heavenly father and you have to know the difference and mm-hmm. there should be more power in the earthly father I mean the heavenly father than your earthly father right mm-hmm. so um, but you know Caitlin that goes back to a lot of there's a lot of issues like in every church and there's a lot of I mean I would say gossip to be honest I think gossip penetrates every church and people like to formulate judgment and um, you know it's Like when the um, woman committed adultery and they said to Jesus, you know, it says in Moses, I mean, that Moses said we should condemn her or whatever. And he's like, well, if one of you have not sinned, then, you know, to stone her. And basically they all walked away. And so the point is, you know, we're not to judge. We don't have the authority to judge. And I think that's a really big issue. And I see that even, you know, in smaller groups that people feel like they have the power because maybe they are more scripturally grounded or they are working for a church or they have done x y and z that they have authority over other people to judge them and to call them out i mean it does say in matthew if your brother sins against you go tell them of the sinner and you know you're supposed to deal with situations like that and if you really think about sin is it sin that they're talking about in that verse or is it are, are your feelings hurt so you have to really understand what it actually means
0: I would agree with that I think sometimes right the feeling our feelings get the best of us but I also think that goes back to I I truly believe this in my heart that there is not one person on this earth that does not struggle with pride and that is my hot take
1: I think that's a great hot take
0: because at the end of the day we all have a little bit of an ego, <laughs> and. Uh, It is very hard uh, to say, hey, I was wrong. Like, to say you were wrong, it is so hard, especially when you truly believe that you were right. And I think that goes back to pride. And I don't think there is one person on this earth that does not struggle with pride.
1: Well, and it clearly states in Scripture, too, that God wants our mercy, not our sacrifice. And so to be merciful, to really be merciful, is hard because... If people hurt your feelings or people offend you or um are just not nice you're, you can definitely get your you but, I,
0: but i think i struggled with pride majority in childhood because i always quote unquote made the right decisions i never got in trouble with the teacher mm-hmm. and i was like oh i'm doing great like god loves me because you know i'm making all these right decisions And
1: And I think in high school, you were a little bit like that, too, because you never were drinking. You didn't do anything bad. You were like straight (laughs) and narrow. And I I
0: did, like, you were a little prideful. But I I was like, I thought to myself, oh, I I don't struggle with anything. And little did I know, I was struggling with pride. And God really humbled me in college.
1: (laughs) He does humble us at times.
0: He does. And, uh, you know, now I'm very conscientious of it when I do struggle with it or I catch myself being prideful. Um, but I do believe that everyone at some level does struggle with pride. A lot of people, too, I've seen at church, and they say, oh, I don't really have, like, a really broken testimony. Pride is just as broken as anything else. And I think people don't realize that you don't have to have been, like, an alcoholic and now you're sober or um, you've done drugs and now, you know, you're sober from that. Like, I think that people think it has to be such an extreme that no, it, pride is pride is the same as all of those things.
1: Well, it's not even just pride. I think there's, I mean, we there's little things that you can do throughout your day that are sinful, right?
0: Absolutely. And so,
1: you know, there's lots of choices that we are faced with each day, and sometimes those choices are not godly choices. And so it's it's not as complicated as pride even. So
0: I, I would totally agree with that. No, I think it's it's definitely um, something to be conscientious of. Uh, do you have any closing remarks, hot takes?
1: Yes, I would say to be authentic, to be open-minded, to don't let bad experiences that you have in your life um, influence. I would say don't let bad experiences in your life impact future experiences. So if someone treats you poorly or um, you've had a bad situation, say going out to dinner even, I mean – any of those things, don't let them prevent you from being open to having a relationship with someone else. So like with girlfriends, you know, things can happen that go wrong, but you know, you have to be able to forgive people. Number one, that's super important. Forgiveness Mm -hmm. is extremely important and it's hard to forgive. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I think once you can forgive, then you go back to that situation and you look at it in a different light. And, a lot of times we formulate our beliefs from past experiences because of stress and anxiety and so you have to look at those experiences differently so i'll give you for instance so my dad died when i was five and i watched my dad die and i was the only one there and then my mom remarried and i have an adopted dad and going through my life as a child and when milestones milestones would occur i would think wow i really wish my dad was here and and i still had my adopted dad and so later in life what i did realize is i have two fantastic dads and i was so focused on my dad dying that it skewed my whole belief system on what I had, I had a huge blessing of two loving dads. And so you can't allow, don't be so focused on the bad thing that happened.
0: Mm. I, that was, I posted something on social media today you did. and we talked about it yes, before you did. this. Mm-hmm. And I talked about, um, this, uh, photo came up of me from a social media page where, um, people in your conference are nominated for service awards, um, uh, other types of honorary awards you can get and uh, my friend Elle I'll give her a little shout out she nominated me for this award and I she asked her a picture of me rowing and I sent her this one and little did I know I sent her the one and it was of me in my last college race and a lot of people don't even realize the pain that I was going through at that time mm-hmm. I had had a fractured rib uh, my shoulder I had a sh- torn labrum in my shoulder so I had like all this tape all over my shoulder And that race, my, I, rowers get blisters all the time, but my blisters were so bad that weekend. I have no idea why. I mean, I have my whole hand tape my my teammates are laughing at me. I'm like, guys, you have no idea. Like um, I had to race, they put me in three races that day. They ended up putting me in an extra race, um, knowing I had an injury. And I remember, I think it was the second race, uh, it was the second or last race and, My arm went completely numb. Like I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't have function over my hand. I couldn't feel anything. I just let out sobbing during the race. I feel bad for the girl in front of me. But uh, I just remember how much pain I was during that time. And I just remember coming back from the race like, God, like why is this happening to me? Why can't my body do what I want it to do? And I just remember this conviction and People say, like, oh, you know, God speaks to me. And I I think he does um, just through discernment. And he said, Caitlin, go and serve me, and I'll take care of you. I'll bless you. And so that's what I did. I ended up, like, going on the weekends during my free time instead of, you know, going to dinner or to bars or whatever it may be. I didn't really go to bars in college. But anyways, uh, I wasn't doing what most college kids were doing at the time. And I went and served at a, it was called Hunger Busters. And it's yes. like basically packed lunches mm-hmm. for um, the kids less fortunate in um, the city. And so I went and did that. And uh, I had to go see the sports psychologist and all these things. And I was just like, God, my body is in so much pain. How am I going to get through the next two years of this? And I said, God, just like, either heal me or or give me some way that I won't be in this physical and mental pain. Because people don't realize as a college athlete, you are torn down physically and mentally.
1: And emotionally.
0: And emotionally, Mm -hmm. absolutely. I mean, I would call you crying all the time. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I truly believe that God was dwelling within me at that time. Um, and if I wasn't in scripture at night before going to practice the next day
1: or part of FCA, that was another or part of,
0: FCA was, oh my gosh, the saving grace. And, um, I ended up getting medically retired, which was not ideal situation. Right. But God did lead me closer to him after that situation. And there were so many blessings that came out of that experience Did I have an identity crisis in rowing. Absolutely. But God brought his identity, or my identity in him, back to him. And he knew I was losing it in rowing. And um, now I'm leading a study with the rowing girls uh, at SMU. And, you know, I just hope that he uses me in any which way and the wisdom that he's given me through that experience to keep them on a straight path with him. And, you know, that's ultimately why I go and I hang out with them and try to relate to them as best as possible
1: no that's good and you're not stuck on what happened
0: no I think I think you can be for a while yes um, and you can try to blame so many people for that situation but at the end of the day athletes get injured all the time and uh, bad things not bad things I want to say it's a bad thing unfortunate unfortunate things can happen um, and painful situations do happen and I think it's right I had a coach tell me, I forget which coach it was. I had so many amazing coaches actually in my life. Yes, you have. And you uh, really have. they said, it's not about the situation. It's about how you handle the situation and the outcome of it. And I, I truly do believe that in uh, how you handle um, those tough situations in athletics and even in work or um, with family, whatever it may be with friends, like that is truly uh, how you can show people Jesus Christ and how you can show your true character.
1: I would agree with you. Response is super important.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, well, That's great. It was, this was fun.
0: I know. Thanks for telling a little bit of your story too. Oh, um, yes. And then that was really cool, and a lot of people were able to relate to that.
1: So, thank okay. you. This You're is
0: welcome, really Caitlin. fun. This was fun. I know. Well, maybe I'll have to come back. I was, I was a little hesitant with you coming on because... Well, I'm usually pretty
1: funny, but you I didn't you crack the joke. You, are,
0: you actually are very <laughs> funny. So next time, we will have to do, like, really fun hot takes. Maybe. Okay,
1: that would be great. We could okay. do that. Okay, okay. sounds good.